This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. Comic Book Click is on Patreon, guys. For as little as $0.10 cents a day or $3 a month, not only can you help keep the lights on here at Comic Book Click headquarters, but your donation gives you access to exclusive content like CBC commentaries, polls where you can choose what content we cover next, and special behind-the-scenes footage of things here at Comic Book Click. Visit Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse today and become a Patreon. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano aka The Don and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast brought to you by ComicBookClick.com and as always, I am never alone. Sir, can you please introduce yourself? I am Comic Book Man Dan, Dan the Comic Book Man. Dan the Comic Book Man uh, is here in studio and usually we are the best of friends a dynamic duo of sorts but today or on this episode of the major issues podcast we will be going head to head in our custom uh debate setting known only as which was worse where we pit two maligned films against each other to try to argue the merits of either one to see if we can convince the other that one of them is definitively worse. We've been doing this for quite some time, Daniel. This is the beginning of this podcast, basically. Yes, and we've made it a point to do this once a quarter, and we've hit uh, a bit of a, I, I don't know if, about if milestone is a, a thing to, to say, but it's Black History Month. And it usually, Black History Month. Usually around Black History Month, we try to cover something you know, with dealing with black comic book creators or black comic book characters. And we like in the most serendipitous way of all time, the happenstance, if you will, we are approaching the 25th anniversary of not one, but two black superhero led movies, comic book movies, if you will. And and it's crazy because we were going through of what could we cover this month? What, what, it's black history month. We have to be able to cover something. And then just out of nowhere, it's like, let me look up, let me look up two of like the worst that I know of comic book movies, not, not black led comic book, but just comic book movies in general. And it surprised to me, both Steel and Spawn came out in the 97. Yep. So I'm like, oh, we have to, we have to, there's no way. There's Which is also, the, that's, a, that's the same year that Batman and Robin came out. So just not a banner year for <laughs> comic book movies oh god I don't know. So that makes three comic book movies that we've covered from 1997 what is in the water of the late 90s i do not know but they were definitely taking something there was definitely something going on there um so a unique bit of background well i guess firstly i should say that I will be representing Spawn side. I will be defending Spawn tooth and nail while you will literally be playing friend. devil's advocate, like a literal devil's advocate. Yes, I'm playing little flat, fat clown advocate, and um, <laughs> you will be defending Steel. But what's funny is uh, I um, have never, I had never seen Steel up until this point. I actually was using this kind of um, setup. So that I, I have an excuse to do it because I wasn't going to watch Steel on my free time, bro. 
I watch it on comic book click time. I watch it on major issues time, but I wasn't watching it in my free time. So if I was actually never seen Steel either, it, it, this was the first time I've ever seen. Like I've heard the rumors, I've seen the clips. It's been on Watch Mojo's top ten worst comic book movies. It's been on. It, it's basically everyone's top ten comic book movies. Like if there's one thing the world can agree is Steel is one of the worst movies that ever came out. I, I and you know keep, keeping the spoilers keeping the spoiler free and not even about any of the things we're talking about today but you also have just kind of been introduced more so in general to the steel character i think now you probably know more about the steel character than you ever have in general and that's not even a credit to steel that's the funniest part is that's a credit to superman and lois right so it's one of those things where um further understanding of the character might change how you feel about um other depictions but what can talk to the audience about your madness and choosing to defend something you've never seen i guess uh it was it it was a mix of looking up the cast when i look up the cast i found that somebody in the cast is someone that i fell in love with through a certain filmmaker's uh filmography and for the life of me i can't remember the actress or the character right now in this very moment but i know she's been in hill house She's been in Midnight Mass. She's been in many of Mike Flanagan's work. You're talking so, about Annabeth Gish. Yes, and thank you. Anna, good old Annabeth Gish, also known as uh, uh, Mrs. Dudley from Haunting of Hill House. Anybody that's seen Haunting of Hill House would know that's Mrs. Dudley. Or the very attractive name Sparky. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. God, Sparky. Good old Sparky. Or the attractive name Sparky. Um, I remember spawn spawn uh for me gosh i remember as a kid not getting it but thinking it all looked really cool and now that i'm an adult i kind of get it but there really isn't much to get um but i but i knew that even with ruler cool could slightly edge me out in this argument (laughs) with spawn so that's why i ended up choosing spawn um this is usually ends up being a coin flip kind of situation or if we are sometimes these episodes come out because we legitimately have these conversations but we say no are you kidding me of course not and we you know we choose those sides based on that um so we will go through, uh, I guess, our respective films and try our best to tear each other's film apart while also trying to do our best to defend some of them. Um, how, how do you want to do this, Daniel? Um, well, in, in, in the interest of being, of being a good old white knight, I'm not <laughs> really white, but I'm a little bit less darker than you, I will let you go first, my more melatonin friend. Okay. My more now- melanin friend. You can I'm go not, first. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to pull the wool over anybody's eyes here. I'm going to read the, theatrically the um, plot summary of my movie Spawn from Wikipedia, um, just so that we can have the entire plot of the movie on the table and then discuss, you know, from there on moving forward. Um, and this way, there's no qualms about what happened in the movie. It'll all be there. But... U.S. Force Recon Lieutenant Colonel and CIA Operative Al Simmons is assigned by his superior, Jason Wynn, uh, to infiltrate a biochemical weapons plant in North Korea. Despite Simmons' growling, oh, sorry, growing moral qualms, I uh, shouldn't be growling, with the nature of his work, um, unknown to Simmons, Wynn has ordered his top assistant or assassin, Jessica Priest, 
to murder him while he's on the mission. Before Simmons dies, he is set on fire by Wynn, and the flames cause the plant to explode. Simmons arrives in Hell, where one of the rulers of Hell, Malbosia, offers him a deal if Simmons becomes his internal uh, servant and leader of his army in Armageddon, he will be able to return to Earth to see his fiancée, Wanda Blake. Simmons accepts the offer and returns to Earth, but upon his return, he realizes that five years has passed since his death. Wanda is now married to his best friend, Terry Fitzgerald, who is living as the stepfather to his daughter, Cyan. Spawn encounters a clown-like demon named Violator, sent by Malbosia, who acts as his guide down the path of evil. Spawn also meets and befriends a young homeless boy named Zack and a mystery old man named Cogliostro, a fellow Hellspawn who has successfully freed his soul and now fights for heaven. Spawn learns that Wynn is now a weapons dealer and has developed a bio-weapon called Heat-16. During a reception, Spawn attacks Wynn, kills Jessica, and escapes with the help of his necroplasm armor. Following the attack, Violator convinces Wynn to have a device attached to his heart that will release Heat-16 worldwide if his vital signs flatline as a deterrent against assassination attempts. Malboja wants Simmons to kill Wynn and initiate the apocalypse. Spawn confronts Violator, who turns into his demonic form and beats him down. Cogliostro rescues him and teaches him how to use his necroplasm armor with Zack. Spawn learns that Violator and Wynn are going to kill Terry, Cyan, and Wanda. Terry sends a email incriminating Wynn to a fellow newsman. Just as the email is sent, Cyan and Wynn enter the room. Wynn destroys Terry's computer and takes the family hostage. Spawn, Cogliostro, and Zack arrive and nearly kill Wynn, but Spawn extracts the device from Wynn's body instead and destroys it. With his plan foiled, uh, Violator sends Spawn and Cogliostro to hell where they both battle the demons before subduing him. Spawn is then confronted by Malboja and tells the demon he will never lead Hell's army. Spawn escapes with Cogliostro just before they are overwhelmed by Malboja's forces. Violator, having recovered, follows them. A final battle ensues, ending with Spawn decapitating the demon with his chains. Violator ahead taunts the group and threatens his return before melting and returning to Hell. Wynn is arrested and Spawn, realizing that there is no place for him in Wanda's world anymore, dedicates himself to justice rather than succumbing to his lust for vengeance and returns to the streets with Cogliostro and Zack. Now, hell of a film. Hell of a film. Hell of a film. Um, And, you know, I haven't even gotten to this cast. Michael J. White, John Leguizamo, Martin Sheen, um, D.B. Sweeney. I don't know if he's been in anything. Um, uh, the DB voice Sweeney of- is um. Ah, oh, God, I know DB Sweeney. Wow. Uh, he's yeah, Hardball Brother Bear stuff like that. I know he was in Taken Two, but I could have sworn he was in um. Oh no, that's not the guy who I was thinking of. I was thinking that was the prison guard from the shitty Suicide Squad movie. Oh no, kind of uh, looks like him a bit. Um, DB Sweeney's in it. Uh, Frank Welker. Is the voice of Malboja. You have Frank Walker in your thing? Probably not, bro. I'm just going to say that first and foremost. So, listen, 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 listen. This ain't a Marvel film. This ain't a DC film, all right? This is an image film, image comics film. An image was founded in the 90s. So, like, this, if anything, this is a testament to, this is like an indie film, Dan. You understand? Yeah, this is an indie with, property. With one of the worst, CGI effect, like you would thought that this was directed by Roger Corman. How bad the CGI was. His cape, his cape. Listen, but terrible. But, but look at 
the CGI was bad, but look at what they wanted to do with it. Like, I wish somebody came in over the top of this and added, you know, and did the work or whatever the fuck it takes to make it look like how it's supposed to. Because what it did, what they did with it wasn't as... Like, I wouldn't put this CGI in the same um, shitty tier as Mortal Kombat 2. Oh, no, no. God, no. God, no. Yeah. So, like, that's that's my hallmark for this. Um, one of the things I think this film does, and it's probably to its detriment, is that it does stick the entire comic lore in the film. All of it's there. It's just all there kind of by exposition with Cagliostro. And I don't think they found the best way to dull out those spoonfuls of knowledge that is. Yes, but I have a question for you. Go ahead. Does, you, does, does your film whitewash? Does yes, my, it does, my friend. Does my film whitewash? Terry Fitzgerald, Al Simmons' best friend in the comics, is black. He's white in the movie. Because Todd McFarlane explains that this change was made by the studio to avoid having too many black leads, as they would believe it would give a false impression that the film's target audience was the African-American demographic, George. So they didn't want black people to watch this black-led movie. No, it was actually the other way around. They didn't want it to be a black-on-black fight over a black woman. Well, it says right here that Todd McFarlane wanted to make sure that no one would get the false impression that the film's target audience was the African-American demographic. Only, only, only the African-American demographic, because you're talking about a time period, right? I was actually having this discussion about something else. You know what I was talking about? Soul Plane. I got into a conversation about Soul Plane, and you can't say that, let's say, between, I don't know, fucking 1992 and 2000 and five five. yeah i was gonna say four or five there wasn't a a a litany of movies that were targeted only almost only exclusively to the african-american fan base and i'm not saying that i get like i feel ostracized or i was pushed out but when you think about things like um you know barbershop or soul food or soul plane or friday or um anything with red man and method man in it like those things specifically where some of the joke is look at these funny white people you know like that that was that was a very specific genre we we try to pretend that it wasn't at the time but it, it sort of kind of was um i feel like maybe maybe they should have leaned into a bit more of like the urban aspect this movie would have done a lot better if they would have pulled away from some was of your that movie weird... set in compton your movie, movie wasn't set, set, in, set in an urban hood yeah, but we're we're gonna tear apart your movie in a bit. Oh, I hope you don't worry. We, uh, my my, <laughs> the biggest thing that I took away after watching this and kind of really paying attention is that I didn't realize how similar Ghost Rider and Spawn are. Like, oh, like literally, yeah. Like holy hell, um, you know, uh, some some of that mass design is definitely Spider Man. You know, my man Tom McFarlane worked on a lot of Spider Man. Yeah, that, that's also money. you can tell that the eyes specifically of the Spawn mask is a Todd McFarlane design. Yeah, yeah. Like, he just likes his mask eyes to, like, literally wrap around the back of your head. And the design is cool. The design is cool. Spawn, because I grew up, everyone should know it, I grew up on the cartoon of Spawn. Ah, was that on, like, HBO or some shit? Yep, it was on originally HBO. I grew up on the cartoon of Spawn, so this movie just doesn't do what what the cartoon truly did. That cartoon was, was fantastic. And even now, watching as an adult, if you can find episodes online, the cartoon is fantastic, and it's gory. It's rated R. It's like the mask cartoon. You ever seen the mask cartoon? Yeah. Gory as hell. 
I'll say that I think the per- the weakest performance in here goes to Wanda. I don't think that that actress was really wanting to be there. I don't think that, you know, I, I think it's, it's almost a failing because you're supposed to feel like there's this big, um, you know, betrayal. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't really, fit, I didn't really care for the couple in this so much. So um, it also plays around with the information that it tries to give you. Like, Spawn blows up and then he just kind of ends up like in a homeless area and you don't know anything for a while. And then it's like, don't you remember? You made a deal with the devil. And it like flashes back and he's there. He's like, I just want Wanda. Give me Wanda. And then he goes back uh, to real life. I They should have, someone should have really worked on how they wanted to get the information out and i know it's hard you know some people we were talking about this before right some people do it with a scroll in the beginning of the film some people do it um you know with uh narration where you set up the world and world build and that's usually how when these things are this dense that's usually how you have to do it someone has to say you know and before anyone you know there was a time where you know the malboja and the hell's army and stuff and they got a lot of that stuff in here um but it almost kind of gets in the way of it. I think the other thing is this film is extremely short. It's an hour and a half. Same thing like yours. Uh, whereas yours probably needed to be topped at an hour and a half. Mine, I feel like they try to do the most in the least amount of time. And well, see, so- I also feel the same way about that with my movie where it's like they threw so much information at you and so much in that first 30 minutes that you're like, how can you truly get another 40 minutes out of it? How can you get, or how can you get like another hour out of this? I think one of the, what? No, I was just going to say, I think one of the interesting things is that I think our two films are almost diametrically opposite in tone. Oh, tone, pacing, even the way it's directed. Uh, Like mine, I'm almost, I'm almost certain mine was meant to be watched by adults. Oh, isn't it rated R? I will double check. Didn't New Line Cinema make that rated? I know it has to be New Line Cinema. It is New Line like, Cinema. Yeah, I don't see that's R. Are you seeing any R's? PG thirteen. Uh, yeah, the original cut of Spawn earned an R rating from the MPAA, oh. resulting in pro- producers toning down the violence in the film to get a PG thirteen rating. But when it was released on home video in May of ninety eight, you got the PG the PG thirteen version and the R rated director's cut version which included 45 minutes of additional footage, 45 minutes. So here's the thing. The so, he, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right. Nineties. Almost two hours. Nineties comics are a bit edgy to say the least. And image comics, one could even argue were like the forefront of that edginess of that, like pouches and guns and blades and blood and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, at the very least, you can, you can throw everything you want at this film. But Tom McFarlane was on the board for this. You feel me? He, this is what he wanted to do. Maybe he didn't have all the tools he needed. Maybe he didn't have the best of, of what he needed to get this done. But he got it done. And this is as close to a vision as he could have produced in 1997. Where I argue that anyone who cared about Superman or Steel or anything had nothing to do with the or film whatsoever. <laughs> oh, this has nothing to do with... This, is, this was not Steel. This was not the character that I have seen in either the cartoon because all right so growing up with Steel I grew up with him in the Justice League Unlimited where mm-hmm. he essentially took over for Martian Manhunter and he was just essentially the front desk worker of the Justice League tower that orbits space 
Okay. But he was always portrayed as a black man with a silver face. Right. Like he literally had a silver visage where mm-hmm. I always thought this man was like half robot. Oh, right. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I thought he was, I, I, there were some times where I used to confuse him with red tornado. <laughs> like, who is this guy that's wearing a black leather jacket with a Superman, like a Superman style t-shirt. And he just has a metal face. That's all you see. It's just the metal is around the literal forehead, eyes, nose, and mouth. It was a weird depiction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was. I think this film could have worked better if it stood away from the weird new metal that it was going through, and did some maybe some rap, <laughs> or you know something something kind of kind of long. Well, there. that was the whole thing about about nineties movies, specifically like these nineties machismo action films where everything had to have this like acid rock cr- crunch on the strings of the guitar, and it, it was just it all like, sounded like Linkin Park going through a blender. Um, I, uh, I will say that I think that my, my credit sequence is torture. Uh, I think that the credit sequence in my film is absolute trash. Oh God. Just um, the, the, the crappy CGI basically going through a, a fire, a fire roller coaster. Some, some weird PlayStation cutscene of, of some, <laughs> That's literally what of, it is. Of, it's twisted of, metal. Of, yeah, a hundred percent. Malboja's design is just shit. Not only the CGI, because you know what my issue is with the CGI and, and like harping on it. I think Violator was fine. No, perf- no, honestly, if uh, if you could give credit to anybody in this movie, and yet Michael J. White will forever get the unspoken credit. Like you cannot yeah, yeah. not acknowledge the fact that Michael J. White is one of the greatest actors to bless us in the last thirty years. But mm-hmm. this is nineteen ninety seven. John Leguizamo. This is when he did Sexaholics and yeah. Freak. He did Tu uh, Tu Wong Fu. Thank you, Julie Newmar. He did well, The Pest. Yeah, he's off of uh, uh, Mario. Exactly. He's fresh off the hills of Mario. So to get the so to get John Leguizamo in this face paint, have him fat, short, and just talk just like this. And he was repulsive. He was a he was a repulsive creature as he, as he was meant to be but i think even more so when there's moments where the violator transforms and i don't think it's as dodgy as the moments in hell i think all the hell stuff was done like the last week of the film or something like that i don't know what the hell happened i i that whole no that whole hell fight where now violator is huge and he just looks like this giant hellhound and just oh god but when he was when he was fighting him and he beats him up and like puts him on the cage he was fine like the first time Violator transforms and they're in the alley, it's not. It's not. Like I said again, it's not Mortal Kombat Annihilation bad. No, no. It's, even it's, when he's in the house, bad. even when he's in the house, when they when they're in the house and he comes through the, I guess the wall or something like that, Freddy Freddy Krueger style. My whole problem last... with Violator is I could not help but see him as an R-rated Ivan Ooze. Just everything he was doing just reminded me of Ivan Ooze's mannerisms. Yeah, you know villains. Villains shouldn't do pop culture references. I think heroes should do pop culture references. I don't think villains should relate to anything in current pop culture. <laughs> and I think once they start doing it, then you kind of it kind of takes like, the veil well, off. If of I it. remember, wasn't he? Because I don't, I watched this like two weeks ago, for like for the first time in forever. Wasn't wasn't he a clown at a birthday party? In the most he was super. Like God, that was terrible. Yeah, he, was. he was, but it was that also at the, the Ivan Ooze selling ice cream scene. I, I yeah, that it's very close to that. I, I don't I don't you know. I, I will agree with you on, on that. 
Um, Michael J. White said, there is no footage of me ever saying I liked Spawn. I have never said that I thought it was a good movie. So that's, <laughs> that's, how, um, that's how he feels about it. But Al Simmons is a badass in this. He's never meant to, he's never portrayed as anything but a badass. He's not even portrayed to be dumb. You know, like he, he makes the right decisions. He's not a stubborn hero. He's not a, a, any of those things. And um, I just, it, it just all feels rushed. It, you, you want a full arc of this guy, the, the same arc in, in Ghost Rider, where this guy who sacrificed, who did a deal with the devil, gets double-crossed, but then ends up finding a loophole where he can still have his powers but work against the devil um, moving forward. And... There's there's a lesson in that. There there's there's something in that there. No, if there's something I can agree with you on, because you already agreed with me, if there's something I can agree with you on is this movie does have a fully realized arc. Like you yeah. do go full circle with Al Simmons in a way that Steel Steel never really really got off that the, the first two stops of the roller coaster. Like like you start thinking that we're gonna get an arc, but there, he's just the same character from start to finish. There is no difference, there is no returning back to home ever since changed the, the other you have your call to action but there really is no sense of change everything that steel was from the ending of the movie is who he was in the military now he just has better gadgets mm. like that um, is my one problem is like i can i'll admit steel had no arc no arc whatsoever yeah like i think you know it, you, you're 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 watching these people also like i don't think he i don't think there was much flexibility in the spawn suit. I don't think there's much flexibility in the, um, the, like the burn, the burn makeup stuff. Oh God. No, you, his, his mouth was not moving when he was talking. I'm sorry, but they, they, they CGI'd his mouth. So that's that one of the things. Was not moving. I feel like, um, one of the major issues, <laughs> get it. <laughs> I, I feel like one of the major issues is that um, you have this seemingly emotional story. I think they, if they could have gotten to the core of the heart of the story, as opposed to all the "Hey, look at how cool this is," you, you really could have done something. And I think that's that's something I say now in 2021. Like I didn't know what the hell a comic book movie needed, but now it needs heart for me. It needs a, a an arc and it needs heart. I need to see people change. I need to see people get affected. And of this course, has I, the, the breadcrumb right. trails of that, but not enough of it. And I think that's, that is what we started learning. It, it, you got to give credit to the MCU on that one. Because when, when I was younger, a movie like Ghost Rider, one, oh, I loved. I ordered, I rented in a Hollywood video. I watched it that entire weekend. Stuff like Fantastic Four. I saw Rise of the Silver Surfer in theaters and I was just blown away. Little, little 12-year-old me was just blown away by the silver surfer oh my god i grew up with this cartoon i used to play him in the marvel ultimate alliance video games and now i get to see doug jones do the the, the body and lawrence fishberg do the voice but then now after the mcu yeah these movies are not good <laughs> they're just like and it's it's hard because you want to say you want to say yes i enjoy them and i'm not afraid to say i enjoy them but you also have to admit yeah you know what these are probably literally bottom of the barrel in, in terms of comic book movies. Because I don't need a spawn when I got, uh, you know, the uh, Drax. 
who, who, who actually has a fully realized arc by even Infinity War. I feel like, like I said again, like you could take the bones of this film and put in better people. <laughs> if that makes sense. That's so hard. Yeah, but it's so hard that that's what you would have to do. Um, and I think it, it I, I think it works better. Um, I hate, and I mean the word hate, I hate both of our films' tenuous grasp on vague military. Because mm. mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does. Both of them are fucking full with these weird side special forces, weird quasi, we don't know anything about the military, so we're making up a weird black ops name and, and group and organization and whatever. And I... Uh, yeah, I I don't I don't like it on either end. I don't think that any of it was fleshed out. You have Al Simmons as a seemingly by the books soldier, but then he has like a sexy woman soldier um, that he that's working for um, Martin Sheen. It is Martin Sheen, isn't it? It's Martin Sheen. Yeah, it's Martin uh, Sheen and a goatee, my friend. Blackest goatee I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> With the grayest hair you've ever seen in your life. Um. Vi- like, oh, like I don't think there's even room to be confused about the plot. Like that's another thing I think that is very interesting because I do think that the the story is a bit much for if you're on the outside looking in and you're looking for the kid who, or you're looking for the alien boy who got dropped off in Kansas, you know, Smallville, Kansas, or you're looking for the kid who got, you know, his parents were shot, so now he's taking revenge against, you know, criminals and people who thrive on fear. Um, the Spawn story is a bit convoluted, is a bit confusing, but all of it is there. Like all of it is there. All the explanations for why somebody is here, why they're there. Um, Violator is constantly expositing, you know, the rules of hell, the rules of being a hell spawn, what he's trying to do, what my is trying to do. And basically what they are trying to do is they're trying to create as much violence and malice on the planet so that uh, Malboja's army can rise through hell and take over the world. Seamus. I think it's also important to note that both of our villains have some weird ass goatee. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of. I think white men and goatee was supposed to be like the evil. Like you're 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 evil if you have like a top knot haircut. Like yeah, and we both have haircut and goatee. We're both dealing also with weapons dealers, seemingly people who uh, are trying the good to sell. Old of the nineties, the good oh yeah, apparently, a fucking 90s. a fucking apparently, you know. Um, and it's like and it's like yeah, look at these evil arms dealers, and then you find out that us as a country has been sliding guns to various countries at all kinds of times of the day to influence fucking in like destabilizing governments and shit. Um, but yeah, like it, I all of that stuff I, I think fails. Um, the cape stuff hurt. It hurts to say that it's bad because it's visually interesting, even if it's bad. It's visually interesting. Um, I wish the necroplasm stuff was explained a little bit more. That that stuff I, I still probably don't get. Um, but this film ends with him basically out of whole cloth producing chains that wrap around the villain's head and spin and decapitate him. Like, you can't. 97, you can't fucking, you can't beat that, bro. No, like, honest, uh, no like it, it's so weird when you think of the 90s was probably the greatest and worst times for movies. Yeah, and this is coming from someone that has seen a lot of movies, and it's uh, it, it can sound hyperbolic, but literally at the exact same time, 
the 90s had the worst and best movies like the, their best movies was their worst and their worst movies was their best and just everything was just this jumbled mess of coming off the war of kuwait coming off of the cold war like we were we were coming off of so many wars and and so many like american soil atrocities that you just had to poke fun at everything at every turn yeah and i think it's that were it's one word right it's extreme right that's that's what it was the 90s was all about extreme um i'm surprised this is not as sexy as things are usually in the 90s or you know adult led um there's almost no allusions to anything sexual or or women you know used the wrong like used in the weird 90s way i guess you could say that that priest woman was overly sexualized but that was just weird all of that was weird didn't she like try to kick him in the dick and then his belt Better foot yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was, it's, it's, it's a thing. I I think it's funny that he has Hell's powers and uses guns. Yeah, and even even the, even the YouTube channel Death Battle once did um a Spawn versus Kratos, and this was the first time I ever truly learned about Spawn's powers. And I'm like, oh my god, why are we not? Li- why is this man not the villain? Why is he not something greater than he should be in the comics? This man can literally command Hell's army at the will of his fingertips. Yeah. His cape is like the his cape is like the same cape from Doctor Strange, but more vicious. It, yeah. And and it and it's like he's just teeming with um hellish energy. I like the glowing green eyes. I think that works. Um first first comic book character to have blank eyes in a movie yeah i I would i would think so because most of the time when you get these comic book portrayals actors always have to wear eyeliner under their cape and cowl for some reason like every batman had eyeliner (laughs) yeah i can see that um so yeah i think this is the first like comic book character movie where you can't actually see their eyes like there is no expressionism in the face but it's a good and a bad thing because when we need him to take off the mask and be expressive he he can't because it's like 50 pounds of prosthetic makeup when he first of all he has no lips and i get it when you're a burn victim you don't have lips but i mean come on you could have done so at this point i would take the non-realistic him having lips with a burnt face like look at deadpool Perfect example. Look at Ryan Reynolds' burnt face in Deadpool. Now compare yeah. that to the burnt face of Michael J. White. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's not great. I saw one of the things that they try to do. I, I don't know if you saw it, but like they try to make his eyes, the eyes of his mask on his burned skin. Did you catch yeah. that? Yeah. Like I, the, I tra- the outline yeah. of the spawn eyes on the mask are like a weird outline on his burnt skin. Uh, you know, they were, just, they, were, they were trying things. But again, I think this one suit, is, it looks uncomfortable, uh, it, even though it kind of looks cool. Um, I like him on the motorcycle. That was kind of fun. Um, the the boys have a penis, girls have a, have a vagina. Um, kid is in this. Oh, God. What is that kid's name? And why is he just forever solidified as either a kindergarten cop or full house? Yeah, I mean, come on! Like everyone remembers, everyone remembers those lines. Uh, he's living with his poor father, and they're eating like maggot food. 
basically. And instead of like Spawn being like, I will go out of my way to find resources for these people who need these things. He's just like, I'm just going to live with them. I'm just going to live with these homeless people. I'm not going to help them in any way, shape or form, but I will live amongst them because they don't judge. He he has an affinity for homeless people because when he first becomes Spawn, doesn't he end up in a fucking dark alley? That's where he met Cagliostro, which he just hangs. He just hangs there. Yeah. (laughs) And Cagliostro. Oh my God. Is that supposed to be like, like a stick meets the Sam Elliott from the Ghost Rider movie? Like man has like a long trench coat and like a really big fedora hat, like an Indiana Jones hat. His oh, design yeah. was weird. His design was weird. Well, he's like a wit. No, I like Whitaker. Whitaker. Yes. Um, Wick- Wixler. Yes. Wh- what? Wait, West- what are you talking? The the guy that that mentors Blade, yeah, what what Wesker 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 Whiskers, Whiskers, what Wesley? Is something, it something with a W? I think it's Wexler, like Wexler. Oh no, isn't it Whistler? Whist Whistler, yes. Good old Chris Christopherson. Yes, yeah, it, yeah, it's Whistler. It's Chris Christopherson doing his best. Uh, Jeff Bridges, it looks like from these pictures. <laughs> Um, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, John Leguizamo kills it in this, you know, he's the only it, one that really truly does. He's the one that shines. Whenever you ask somebody, what do you remember about spawn? Everyone's going to tell you John Leguizamo. He's like, he's like the donkey in Shrek in this, you know, True. like True. He, he's, it's not about him, but the things you're going to remember mostly from the film are about him. Um, I'm trying to think of other good things to say about spawn. <laughs> Um, bro, I'm running a little, I'm, I'm running a little low. Sun's getting a little low. Um, <laughs> oh, so don't worry because I don't think I can find anything good about steel. Uh, spawn, 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 spawn. Um, uh, I, there were no fart jokes, which was very '90s. So I, no, no, there was. Yeah, sorry, there was, there was a, there was a shit stain oh, joke. It's John Leguizamo as as a demonic clown. Yeah, I forgot he pulled out his underwear at one point and shows his shit stain on the underwear. I forgot that's a whole. Plot device, <laughs> you know. Um, it was just mismanaged. It's like you know, at least with this movie, I will admit that it seemed like there was a vision. And what and whether or not this was true, if this was truly Todd McFarlane and everyone that worked on it, if this was their vision of Spawn, then I have to give them credit for having a vision and sticking with it. If this was not the particular vision in mind, but this is what came out, then it's like you know what? Maybe you guys aren't ready to be to translate your work from comics to movies but there, yeah. there was something about that you could tell that this movie had a level of attention and care right but it just it it just didn't it, it's like you you put your it, work it chose it chose pie yeah. and it doesn't come out right it, you know what it was and if, if i can if i can continue your pie analogy um they 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 were focused on the what ingredients what they were focused on what the, on the wrong ingredients that they thought made the pie Yes. All the ingredients they needed were there, but they chose more of like, let's say egg than they did of sugar, or they put too much butter instead of, you know, uh, condensed milk or whatever. I don't know how to make a pie people. All right. And I think the, I just... the, pie, the pie was all unchopped fruit to whole apples, <laughs> whole, whole pears, whole bananas into a pie. There was real, no real, real, you know, that's good, right? That it, it, It's genuine fruit. No, but that's, 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 and that's <laughs> but, a good point. Is that it was gen, there was genuine fruit in the pie, but there wasn't enough sugar, there wasn't enough syrup, there was no 
caramelized, you know, anything. Right. And that, that I would say is a good description of my film. And I think we're about done uh, harping on my film. And if I was going to use the culinary, you know, metaphor that we are using, that would mean that steel would be, I don't know, a piece of shit dipped in breadcrumb. Would you oh, say? You ever, <laughs> seen, you ever seen, um, not hidden figures. What was that damn movie with Octavia Spencer and Bryce Dallas Howard that had the shit pie? No, is it Hidden Figures? Um, the one about the space. Yeah, space the, the, the first black woman that were, that went to NASA. You're talking about what again? NASA. What you're talking about? Olivia Spencer in a pie. Yeah, there was a movie with a, the Help. Oh, the okay. Help. Yeah. Yes, this this movie is a good old shit pie, and I will I am not afraid to it. Just like just like with Batman and Robin and, and Superman. These are just one of those moments where I'm not afraid to admit my movie is 100% worse. Is is, <laughs> is your movie better? No, but this is this is. I went into this movie and in about maybe 45 minutes into the movie, I'm like, oh wait, shit, I still have like another fucking 30 minutes of this damn thing. What is or 40 minutes of this? What is going on? So Steel, Steel from 1997. People is directed by Kenneth Johnson and. Most of you people would probably not know his name, but Kenneth Johnson has directed such amazing classics as Disney's made-for-TV movie, Don't Look Under the Bed, Disney's made-for-TV movie, Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. He has directed four episodes of the Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk. He directed the TV movie, The Girl Who Saved the World, the TV series, one episode of the TV series, The Curse of Dracula. Three episodes of the TV series The Bionic Woman, which I think wow. is a spinoff of The Bionic Man. Uh, what? Oh, and George, he's the director of one of your favorite sequels, Short Circuit Two. <laughs> so you thought you can get me with the Short Circuit Two, bro? Yeah, I thought I could. I I, 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 I hid that for last. There is a Short Circuit Two thing they do in this, where they find out what the fuck the theme song of this is and play it every five minutes <laughs> that's a kenneth <laughs> that's johnson a, thing that is a short circuit thing they play that same <laughs> every five minutes in that film and i love that film for its ridiculousness but i know what's wrong with that film i very much know what's wrong with that film um to I, i'll raise your filmography and i will say that spawn <laughs> Uh, is one of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen different uh director credits that my director Marky A Z Dippy I think um it, it, it it's one of fifteen director credits that he's received but Spawn is also its only um theatrical film Spawn also ironically didn't flop at the box office no it actually made its money and then some on a 40 to 45 million dollar budget it made 87.9 million dollars back yeah and and i think another thing where i have to say is that spawn was a tried and true money maker in the comic realm you know like spawn blew up when that comic hit spawn number one you know flew off the shelves so i it totally makes sense that a, a studio would try to take a chance on that why did they do a steel film well written and directed by kenneth johnson the film separates itself from the comic book series 
and the John Henry Iron status Why? by using original protagonists and antagonists. So there is nobody in this movie that can be found in a Steel comic anywhere, good guy or bad guy. I love how they try to make that sound more professional than what it was. Like, oh, you know, it 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 just took uh, some liberties with the source material. Like all of the characters. No, literally <laughs> the entire literally the entire lore. And it's like, so then what the what? So what are we supposed to do with this here? And the film was on its initial release. Steel was a box office bomb, panned by critics who complained about the film's cheesiness and bad acting. And oh, was there cheese? Oh, was there provolone? Oh, is there so much Gouda? No, Gouda's good cheese. Sorry. Oh, there was so much American single slices. <laughs> so many craft single I slices. I love a cheese single. <laughs> <laughs> the plot of the movie is John Henry Irons, who I, a few people don't know who John Henry Irons is, not the character, but the namesake. The namesake is a reference to a, myth, a mythical railroad worker from, a, a, from the, the civil rights, but no, from, from the slavery days. He is said to have been a man that worked as a steel driving man, a man tasked with a hammer to drill in steel into rocks for explosives to blow the rocks for construction railroad tunnels. He was basically one of the world's first, well, because it's, I don't know if it's a lore or if it's real, but according to this, he's, he's one of the world's first masonries, one of the world's first construction workers, huh. a good old, a good old story for young black boys to aspire to want to work <laughs> in that kind of world but as a construction worker please don't be a construction worker people it sucks <laughs> there you go <laughs> with the youth <laughs> henry irons played by shaquille o'neal is a weapons designer who invents high-tech laser guns protective armor and sonic sound cannons for the united states military one soldier nathaniel burke played by my man judd nelson of breakfast club fame mm. and saint elmo's fire but that movie was eh. Nathaniel Burke decides to show just what Iron's weapons can do and sets one of Iron's sonic cannons to the highest power setting, firing the vice in an abandoned building. However, the weapon backfires and destroys the building and, and team is situated and the team that is situated in. Iron's partner, Susan Sparky Sparks. <laughs> <laughs> For, I'm already laughing at the idea that this guy made quote unquote non non lethal weapons, right? That was the whole point. Non lethal yes. weapons that all have a lethal setting, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's like that, they that, all that's, have that's a, ridiculous. Yeah, they all have a. If you crank it all the way up, they'll kill you. But these are non lethal. All that's right. like the idea of Batman having non lethal fire in his damn Batmobile. Yeah, yeah. non lethal fire, but. Yeah, good old Suzanne Sparky. Sparks, played by <laughs> Annabeth Gish, is crushed by a large slab of concrete in the ensuing chaos. In court, Irons reveals Burke's role in the incident, and Burke is dismissed from the military. Because his weapons resulted in Sparks becoming a paraplegic, Irons resigns in disgust. He also he almost... Um, he also almost... Um, I, I want to say... Uh, what Judd Nelson, you said? Yeah. John Nelson in that moment almost calls uh, Shaq the N-word. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was clear it was clear that that's what the intention was. The malice behind his delivery is like as if Judd Nelson in real life hated Shaquille O'Neal. It's like it's like I gave up my Laker tickets for you. <laughs> and yeah, he's like, and you 
And he's like, me what? And he's like, yeah, you know what he wanted to say. Oh, it turns out my director also directed Michael Jackson's Halloween. I just wanted to put them, put that out there. Michael Jackson did a Halloween movie. I don't even. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, it's a one-hour animated television special, bro. What was he doing? Going around scaring the kids, trying to give them candy. Hey, I have no idea. Candy. It was produced. When did he die, Michael Jackson? Uh, two thousand nine. This came out in two thousand seventeen. What? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Lucas Till is in it. Lucy Liu's in it. Alan Cummings Not in it. Lucas Brad Garrick. What the D- fuck? Dietrich Bader. God, that's worse than finding out Michael Jackson had a video game for Nintendo. The it, Michael Jackson, the King of Pop himself, and a mysterious magical figure who creates 777 Jackson Street uh, Palace Hotel who aids Vincent and Victoria in defeating Conformity, which is capitalized, so I'm assuming Conformity's a villain. <laughs> so <laughs> this, this is slightly more interesting. Save the day, Shimona. This is slightly more interesting than um. <laughs> God, that's something I'm probably gonna watch after this, just for my own sanity. This is ridiculous. It's only an hour, one hour animated television special with Michael, Michael Jackson's Jackson, Halloween. Michael Jackson's Halloween. Jesus. Christ. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I stopped you for the N word. So he just got. He just this did. Uh, what is it? Resigned in disgust, disgrace. Yeah, he basically resigns. I'm surprised he didn't get himself court-martialed. Yeah. But meanwhile... They just let him go. He created yeah. deadly deadly weapons that damn near... It, it did legitimately um, handicap one of his fellow soldiers. And they're like, yeah, no, you can go home. Meanwhile, Burke hatches a plot to sell Iron's weapons to criminal gangs, recruiting a video game, a video arcade manager, to help him carry out his deeds. Which is okay. I, I'm, you know what? I'm just gonna make. I'm just gonna shit on this movie too. That is one of the worst scenes in movie history. He has one of the Mike, worst haircuts in movie history. I don't know what the hell Judd Nelson's problem is, but it's like he could never recapture the energy he had in Breakfast Club. Right. How, he had gorgeous hair in Breakfast Club. I was jealous of his hair growing up because of Breakfast Club. I wanted to wear a, a, a red and black plaid shirt. But cut the sleeves and wear a thermal under it. I wanted to wear the the jean jacket, and I wanted the little biker chains that like, you can hear the chain and the all black boots. I wanted Judd Nelson's look growing up, and then everything he was in after was just terrible. Yeah. There's been a couple of movies I can't really. I, I I have to I have to look it up to see New Jack City. He was the cop in New oh. Jack City. <laughs> I feel like I remember hearing ever. something about. Um, I feel like I heard something about, like, they, they didn't even want Shaq. Oh, God. The director didn't want Shaq. Yeah. Was there a set? Oh, there's no, there's, I would have to go to IMDb for those notes. But this was one of the worst scenes ever. Judd Nelson just walks into a video game arcade that's apparently a front for mm-hmm. a Compton gang that wears purple, like if it's Saints Row. Yeah. <laughs> and he just comes in, puts his feet up, and just starts demanding things. Just demands, demands, demands. The it, it, the cockiness of Judd Nelson's character made him a much more believable villain than Martin Sheen. But Martin Sheen had the much better dialogue and performance. If that's weird, it's like I believed Judd Nelson to be a villain, but Martin Sheen made you made you love that he was the villain. I didn't understand Judd's motivations. Like, was he just a bad soldier throughout? 
He was he, a, a greedy that, man. That is my problem. What is the, going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is my simple problem with the fact that there is no characters in this movie. Uncle Joe was more of a character than anybody else in this movie. Hell, his grandmother, uh, John Iron's grandmother, was more of a character in this movie. Ray, Ray J was more of a character. Oh, Ray J. Ray J was more of a character in this movie. Yes, people. Ray J, before he before he was famous for his uh, Kim K movie. He, oh dear. Before he was all famous before his his music career. His before his directorial yeah. debut. <laughs> Found footage. <laughs> Hey, listen, bro. I don't discriminate. <laughs> yeah. Cinema is project. cinema. Cinema is cinema. Yeah, although cinema. I heard that Frank, Frank, Francis Ford Coppola didn't like uh, Ray J's film. So I didn't have... Uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola ruined The Godfather because he let his daughter act. Well, I mean, nepotism. Nepotism. You understand? Iron's Witness is a bank robbery organized by, by gang members wielding Burke's modified guns. They escape before he can interrogate them on where they attain the weapons. And this was the whole little scene in the train yard where Steele literally lays down on the tracks before the train comes, and then right before it's ready to hit him, he rolls away. God. God, there was nobody on this movie that could just say no to anybody. No. Nobody, was just, nobody was just saying, hey, that's stupid. Nobody on this movie. I feel like his, well, that, is, that was his grandmother as well, right? That was his grandmother because Ray J plays, I think, like his little brother. Okay. Um, I think she was in Soul Food. I feel like she was in Soul Food. She was in Soul Food. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. You have an yep. entire uh, entire plot thing about souffles. The poor girl just wanted to make the best souffle in the world. She wanted to make a French restaurant in Compton. Yeah. And then, oh, what was the name of What was she wanted to name it? Oh, God. Wasn't it like... It was something with blue. Yeah. Cordon blue, chocolate blue. Something, something cordon blue. Yep, because blue is French, apparently. And that's about right. the most French that this movie knows. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. So after the whole, uh, that whole scene with the finding out the weapons and trying to interrogate people, and uh, obviously the gang not telling anybody anything, Irons mm. visits Sparks in a veteran hospital and takes, and takes her to his own assembled lightning. A laboratory where he hopes he and Spark can create weapons needed to combat the criminals. Now, this wiki is very vague, but there was a <laughs> lot that happened in between the whole interrogation. Oh, that, scene. that's a, yeah, that, that it's, it's meant that way, and then we will come in with what we remember. That, that's and, my, uh, and one of the funniest, in one of the funniest, serious moments that Shaquille O'Neal could ever pull out of his damn ass, he is on the phone with his former general. Speaking. Oh, is this when I, he breaks it? <laughs> when yep, he breaks he break. He when he goes to hang up the phone and takes the whole thing off of the hook. Look, look. I, I mean, I don't know if we're gonna get there, but the, there's some, there's one thing that is done with as much seriousness that is absolutely hilarious because I don't understand what I was supposed to get from it. But let me know when you get to the Sparky scene. <laughs> so, oh God, I know. I already know where you're going. So Irons visits Sparky at the Veterans Hospital. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> and she's essentially broken. She's sad. She just sits in her wheelchair and stares out the window. 
And she John is mourning Bell- the loss of her legs. It hasn't been that long since this all this has gone down. Probably a couple weeks. Literally, literally, it's all within the same. Has to be in the same month. Like if right. this happened, if like if the whole paralyzation happened February first, she's in there February twenty eighth still. Right. So like that, there was no time passed, and you could, and that this is my problem. Not with this movie. This is my problem with any film that does mm-hmm. not directly tell you the passage of time. Right. So you're sitting here like, bro, is it, is it three, has it been three weeks or three months? And for an example, with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, that there were in the beginning of that movie, in like the first 30 minutes of that movie, it's July 31st. It's Harry Potter's birthday. About another 30 minutes into the movie, all of a sudden it's Christmas Eve. And I'm like, there is no way these kids were on the road for six months. It is impossible. I hate when movies don't directly tell you their passage of time and you just have to pick it up as you go along. And then they try and throw in this wonky writing to let you know, oh, yeah, it's been six months since I saw her. But it's only been five minutes for us movie time. What are you talking about? Right. So, yeah. So he visits her at the veterans hospital and he tells her we got we got to get you back on the ball. We got to get you back on the horse. He literally like breaks the window of the goddamn veteran hospital. He like pushes the window open, but shatters the entire window pane, trying to open the window. He's like, hey, you want to look out the window all your life? Yeah, stare and look out the window. <laughs> and he <laughs> is seemingly impatient with her ability to be okay with the fact that her legs no longer work. And he's frustrated that she's not more optimistic about again the fact that she will probably never walk again so she kidnaps he kidnaps this woman literally picks her up and against her will she's like don't stop don't do not do this stop but he doesn't take he took her out the he didn't take her out the chair right he lifts up the entire chair i feel like he grabs the whole chair and i don't need to i feel like he grabs the entire chair and this is where this was where i almost turned the movie off He's walking out of the, he's literally kidnapping someone against her will outside of this hospital and everybody just starts applauding. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone's happy. She's made it clear she doesn't want this. And everyone's, everyone, I'm like, this is a very, this is tonally off. <laughs> All is of this is tonally six, off. This is a six foot seven, 310 pound black man manhandling a, a 90 pound handicapped white girl. Yeah, again, against her will. Like, like they, they have news stories in real life about stuff like this. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Oh Absolutely my ridiculous. god! And like I said, the, I I don't know what's worse that it's in there or that it's played as like a heroic moment kind of thing. I think it's worse that it's played like a heroic moment. Like if it was in there and people were trying to stop him, or people were just looking and murmuring, like, "Oh my god, what is? What do we do? Do we call?" Like if there were if there was some kind of cause for concern, I wouldn't care that the movie added it. But like you say, it's totally off when this dude just picks up an entire paraplegic girl and walks out of the hospital and everyone's just clapping like a rom-com. Yeah. Like, they, like, like And they're never, if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, they're never set up as a romantic couple. Never. They're literally like, like they are a true-to-life platonic friendship. They're, sure, there's a couple of moments of those longing gazes, but there is never an explicit uh embrace there's yeah, never a no. moment where he's like i've always liked you you know i've liked you my whole life like there's no moment where where she's like falling in love with him as he's like building the steel suit right like like it, it's either so implied that you don't see it 
or it's just truly not there. So I will exactly. give the film I give the film credit for having for having two leads of opposite gender not become an item at the end of the movie. Just kidnap. Just just a little light kidnapping. Just a little light kidnapping and working against her will. Absolutely ridiculous. With the help of good old Uncle Joe, good old Uncle Joe, played by Richard Roundtree, who was he was he is noted as the first black action hero because he is, ladies and gentlemen, the original John Shaft. Yes, he is. He is the original John Shaft. So, and I've seen him before in a lot of lot of other things. I've seen him in um, what what can I think that I've seen him in? You know, so anyway. oh oh yes, okay, wait, so wait wait wait. You have to explain to the people that he kidnapped her and then put her in a in a uh, um what do they call those places? Trash heap. The, the freaking the the junkyard. Yep. Yeah, he junkyard. Turn takes her to a junkyard. And then he's like, "Look, I made this. I made this room for you. It has a bathroom with a handicap." Oh like, my shit. god! Yes. He's like, "Oh yeah. Here's. Let me open the door and show you." Show you a nice little handicapped bathroom so you can remember that you're handicapped and that I let's, took you away from the hospital. That would help yeah, let's leave the, 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 let's leave the place where you could have probably went through some physical therapy and done, done a bunch of stuff. Um, and let's just... I, you, can, you, you can just live in this dumpster with this weird man you've never met. It was so confused. So confused. And then it wouldn't be a superhero movie without a good old-fashioned montage. Oh so we get God. a little forging of the suit montage. With all the armor and the weaponry necessity for Irons to carry out his war on crime and become the uh, vigilante steel. The vigilante. However, during his crusade against crime, Irons is pursued by cops and is forced to return to his lair, which is... Oh my god, this is one of the worst chase scenes in the history of movies. Because he's going five miles an hour the entire time. He... It, not only not only is he going five miles an hour, but Sparks is now controlling all of the traffic lights, and she's turning everything from green <sighs> to red and green to red. It's like, oh, turn turn right fifteen like fifteen blocks here. Turn left two miles on this. Turning off all the the red lights and the green lights. And these cops are literally stopping at red. What George? When do you ever know a cop to stop at a red light? And not that not that they have something to do, but again, what did Sparky do in her previous life that allows her to hack into fucking the entire Compton traffic system? There is no backstory to Sparks. There is no backstory to this character. You just she's just thrown into the first five minutes of the movie as Steele's best friend, and they have that little finger touch, best friend handshake. Mm -hmm. I think she, I think finger it touch. was. I, I think it was exposited on that she is basically the designer of his weapons, too. Like, she designs the weapons, he uses the weapons, or something like that. But they never really honed in on who this character was, because, once again, none of these characters are comic book characters. So none of them have, right. lore. None of them have the lore or depth that you can go off of, that you can write off of. So now when you're creating these, these, these characters from whole cloth, for a comic book character that has been around since God, like what the fucking sixties? Who, Steel? Oh no, 1993, sorry. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So like I said, both our guys are brand new. Both of our characters are brand new. Yeah, so so they're but at least then, you know, there, there there was a couple of characters that you could have pulled from, but they wanted to make this movie so far removed from the Superman world that you just end up getting this, this 
I don't even know how to, I couldn't even generalize it. I couldn't even put it in a genre. I couldn't mm-hmm. compare this movie to any other black led, uh, black on black crime comedy action. I could not think of a movie like this. Mm-hmm. And this is what happened. This is the problem from creating characters by whole cloth with no actual true idea of who you want these characters to be. I, and again, they, they, I always say this, you, you, we've had the conversation multiple times about um, ch- changing canonical information, changing things from the comics. I know that it's been harped on many times. People are always like, oh, why is everyone so you know uptight about changes being made to characters? And my whole thing is like, change it to improve it. Change it to fix it. True. Change it to get past some of the maybe some of the sexism or racism or other things that have happened. In, in For example, our- look at look at Superman's most famous quote that has finally been changed. That is a change for the better because yeah. I was actually watching Richard Donner's Superman one yesterday night, and one of the things he tells Lois is, "I fight for truth, justice, and the American way." And in yeah. my head, I'm like, "Well, if this was Tyler Holshin." He would straight up tell you that I'm, I don't just fight for Americans. I'm, uh, I fight for everybody on this planet, which is true because you've seen him save damn submarine ships in North Korea. Even if they were the enemy, it doesn't matter. hundred percent. He was saving people that he knew were in danger. And again, the only reason why people like, don't, I don't want to say people like it. The most majority of people who like truth, justice in the American way are Americans. <laughs> it yeah. sounds absolutely terrifying to anyone else. And if he was saying truth, justice, and all the love for Mother Russia, people would be equally as fucking terrified. Oh, yeah, um, no, it's, yeah, exactly. But because uh, we're America, we're supposed to be the greatest country in the world. Right. It sounds like it's empowering. It's that it quote. Prideful. It's that quote from um, Watchmen when they describe Dr. Manhattan, right? What is it? Oh, uh, I never said that Superman exists and he's, um, uh, he, I said Superman exists and he is American or God, That's what it was, God yeah. exists. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I said God exists and he's American. Right, you understand, and it's like you're you're putting your stamp on 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 that and and creating lines of division, and it just feels weird. So yeah, like you have this, you have steel, you have this time. Okay, fine, you're not gonna tie it to Superman because it's probably too much work. So you're not doing Doomsday, which is where this character actually comes from after the death of Superman. Fine, you're not gonna do that. Um, I think having a like Compton. A guy living in Compton, a dangerous area that is being made more dangerous, not by just gangs, which we see in this film, but by people putting, you know, things in the neighborhood that they shouldn't be, like the weapons that end up on the streets because of uh, Judd Nelson's character. And you can have somebody enact real social change by standing up for the neighborhood. Like, none of that happens. Like, none of, none of, none of that happens. Not even close to any of that. It's, it's, it's. And they, they almost feel like they're giving each other high fives when they're having these moments with the motorcycle chase and stuff. It almost feels like they're proud of those moments. And no, I'm like, you should literally. be proud of that. Yeah. Yes, literally. Because I, there has to have been moments during that little during their montages where they're all just but him, Uncle Joe, and Sparks are just sitting around basically eating Chinese, laughing, set over this little like, you know, a whimsical score. Yeah, but, and but I'm, what I'm not do? buying any of it. I'm not buying any of it. Exactly. Like, there's there there was a line near the ending of, like, near the climax where Uncle Joe tells Sparks, I love you. You know that? I'm like, bro, you've known her, like, three days. What do you mean you love her? Um, We're going to put a pin in that there. So we're at the, we're we're at at the, the him saying that he loves? 
No, we're, we, we are well onto the first chase scene, the first cop chase scene where Steele has his motorcycle. He was, I, I think he was in the middle of the street and he was trying to stop <laughs> two rivaling gangs. It was like, oh, is this when uh, they, uh, they use the magnet? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is when he uses the magnet. But since, you know, Wiki is not very, very open with it, I'm just going to say it is one of the most racist scenes I have ever seen. <laughs> it, it is one of the most racist scenes I have ever seen where literally you have two black men and a lowrider and, and a, I don't know, well, a group of black men and a group of Mexicans, both in two opposing cars, both opposing gangs, drive by each other. And then yeah. here comes Steel in one of the wonkiest, most uncomfortable costumes I've ever seen. And they just turn their attention to start shooting him. And then when he subdues the criminals or the criminals get away, here comes the cops and they start firing at him. Ridiculous. No, put your guns down. No, no, stop. Put your hands on your head. And, and also the classic, like, we're going to shoot at him, but that buttons are pinging off. So let's just shoot at him more kind of thing. Yep. Exactly. It's like, oh, these ammos aren't working. Maybe if we try and click the trigger hard enough, like, you know what? Let's hold it at, on the side. Let's hold it on the side with the gangsters. See if that really does anything. Um, so, um, and then he's I'm jumping gonna... across buildings, he's jumping across rooftops. Right, right. So if you give me a second, I would like to read to you my scattered notes from the beginning of the film to up about here. Go ahead. Read all your Again, notes. Again, they don't have, there's no depth to any of these notes, nor will I expand upon them. So <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Burke has terrible hair and he wants to sell a mini disc. Because that's what he, that was, that's what the information was on the mini disc. Does Shaq not have a car? He's walking miles with a military duffel bag. I was I was um, released from the military as well. They didn't make me take a bus. Why would they make you take a bus? They, they, you're not you're not you didn't get out of jail. Did no one ever be in the military before? What's going on here? Um. Uh, souffle subplot. How am I supposed to master French cooking when you keep walking on in here like James Brown? That's a line in there. That's a, that's a line there. I had to put in there. Um, sexy women foreman. For some reason, right? Just hey, walking around. Listen, listen. Just walking around. I don't even know what, what were they I, doing. What were their jobs? Um, what, were, listen, what are they doing? That 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 that, that, that light skinned girl with, with that's literally wearing civilian clothing and a highlighter vest with the hard hat. Oh man. I did say sexy. Uh, there's an elevator with a secret floor. Um, Burke is obviously a dangerous psychopath who murders a woman in an elevator as well as innocent bystanders. Because, yeah, there were innocent people in that elevator when he blew oh, it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He sends the elevator down the elevator shaft and then looks at his partner's right-hand man and says, do I trust you? Can you trust me? Like, Can we trust each other? Are we on the same page? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I guess, man. I just saw you just murder a bunch of people unjustly, so I don't want to die. A female cop takes civilians to a dangerous bank robbery. Why the fuck are they shooting at them? Slick Rick is in this? This must have been when that gang member with the iPad showed up. Oh, um, <laughs> women oh, the keep, pool scene. Yeah. Women keep getting seriously injured around Shaq. I think he's got a gypsy curse. Oh, um, well, he was Shazam, so. In 20, it's 20 minutes in, and I want to stop. <laughs> now I have, in, in capital letters, it's on now, Shaq Parkour. Because this is the time when he was chasing after that. <laughs> gang member for like 20 minutes he was just running on foot trying to jump over fences and shit they got stuck on like a weird a weird train track thing um criminal gets warned he could die on train tracks so he punches the guy who warns him 
And that guy falls onto the train tracks. Shaq saves him. Why are we wasting so much time at this train place? Uh, Sound Cannon knocks a cart over, but Shaq rolls the wrong way and still manages to catch up to the guy. Slick oh Rick God. helps him out. <laughs> uh, uses payphone to talk about confidential information. <laughs> Military Don't information. Don't put this phone up your ass, General. Shaq threatens to hang wayward youths. Uh, Ray J knows where the dangerous gang hides out, and Shaq tries to threaten the gangsters without his weapon or armor. That doesn't work. VA visit. Awkward as hell. Sparky is depressed. Shaq doesn't help. He breaks windows. Uh, <laughs> he then kidnaps a woman as everyone claps. Shaq's plan is to use an army vet's knowledge to cobble weapons together to shoot at others with weapons. She agrees to help. Then Shaq tells her backstory about her drunk mom and dead dad. Uh, Burke is recruiting black children at arcades and wants to be called the man. That's <laughs> uh, on the nose. Sparky falls and cries. Shaq looks on. I'm not sure if this is supposed to be inspirational or offensive. Um, crafting montage to church music. <laughs> oh my god, how did I not how did I not bring up the fact that she literally falls out of her wheelchair? And they Shaq just goes look to help at her. her and Uncle Joe is like, uh uh-uh, uh, you got you, you gotta let her do it on her own. And he just watched this woman who again probably would have learned how to do this at the VA hospital that she was just at. You just took her away from the VA hospital, and now she doesn't know how to stand up. It's all your fault. Um, they give him a hammer because his name is John Henry. Um, there's a shaft. There's a shaft joke because he says, "Like my favorite part of the hammer is the shaft," or something like that. And then like pauses for like thirty That's minutes. That's my favorite part of my hammer. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I boogie around danger like a soul train dancer. That's another line there. Um, steel suit isn't terrible. Mask is ridiculous though. And why is there chain mail? Gang members threatened to smoke him like a blunt. That was another quote in the thing. <laughs> Turned hammer into a sonic gun? Question mark. Well, I'll be dipped in shit and rolled into breadcrumbs. That is one of the greatest lines ever written. Super that magnet. One, I don't care. That is one <laughs> of the greatest lines ever written. Uh, super magnet. Sparky calls him baby. Gang members who saw him get shot and not flinch try to hit him with two by fours. Oh my god, that's right. She did just out of nowhere just drop the are you okay, baby? line. Yeah. So inorganic. He evades the cops with a rappel, but it's slow as hell. The cops should have shot him as he was climbing up the building. <laughs> He's a seven-foot-tall man getting pulled up by a, a single like grappling hook, but in slow motion. Shoot him. Throw something Owen, at him. Owen Hart died over less. A hundred percent. Um, evades cops in the slowest motorcycle chase ever and then goes back to his junkyard headquarters reminding us that this is an unhinged man slowly going more insane as he attacks youths in the street over weapons he tested ha hammer is a gun I'm out uh, uh, uncle J uncle uh, oh I don't I, all I have after this is Uncle Joe loves Sparky. Uh, fuck your souffle. Arrested, saved by his witnesses. Sparky commits fraud, because she does, to get him out of the prison. Steel beats the villain with reverse psychology. Like, you don't want to press this button on the hammer. Um, oh, my God. And the greatest moment, and this is the last, this must have been the moment I just gave up on the film, because there's no more notes. It just says, Sparky has... <laughs> 
Sparky has a rocket launching wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, that was when I stopped taking notes when she just started shooting rocket launchers out of her wheelchair. It was just like spinning in a circle. Like yes, 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 yes. It was like a whirling dervish of, of death. Steel and death. He turned her into an instrument of death. She was she was fine being at the hospital. And he he, he put he said, get away from those windows where you see trees and live in the junkyard where you're surrounded by trash. This will help you in your in your progression. Absolutely ridiculous, bro. All of it. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. But even though it's not in the even though it's not in the notes, I have to talk about that eventually Sparky use, uses her talents as a I guess an engineer to create a a, a, a setting on her wheelchair. <laughs> Shack, I think. I think it's so she, yeah, so she can stand up. But I also think it's just so she can hug Shack, because she was like, "Look, look at my new feature." Yeah, and it just, it's just fucking weirdly. Just Barbara Gordon was somewhere so jealous. No, but why would you? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? What? 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 What can you do standing up in a wheelchair that you can't do sitting down? Un- unless the wheelchair also like you know is mobile while she's upright she could probably enjoy playing billiards again i i guess but you would you, billiards requires i mean do you not put your leg on the table bro i do put my leg on the table you know what I'm saying? No, like, it, it says rules against it but i do it all the time you understand like some of those shots you got to take she was not ready in that in that, <laughs> in that weird standing the, um, I, I, my head cannon. She only made it so she could hug Shaq. That was that's what that's for, and uh, she did. And that's that's that was basically my take on the entire film. I mean, that you literally, your notes literally summed up the last, the, like the last half of this movie. Yeah, because he, he, really he, he does, he does, he does another racist. They do the racist um, terrorist thing, right? Where it's mostly Arab people trying to buy the bombs and shit. Yeah, he an auction on like the dark web, and this was before the dark web was even like a popular thing. Yeah, he had it on his mini disc, I guess. <laughs> it's fucking. He had it on his GameCube game system that he's trying to fucking go around selling and shit. Absolutely ridiculous. Shaq was not ready for this, and Shaq, like, oh my god, I just, I just don't know why him. But then again, I okay, was like, I said, can we talk about how the ending after after? Burke is Burke is killed. Everybody shouldn't don't watch the movie. Burke is killed. Burke yeah. gets killed. The day is saved. Can we talk about how the following day, the Colonel David was talking to Steele on a voice modulator that was Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh yes, I forgot. There's an it Arnold Schwarzenegger voice Schwarzenegger cameo. cameo. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And again, like not placed in the right thing, like not placed in the right area or anything. Um, there's a lot, like again, like this could have been a, a a veteran who can't shake the need for purpose, and so he decides to empower himself against the people that are trying to make his neighborhood worse. Like that could have been this, 
But there was a lot of that there. There was some, there was, there wasn't enough of it, but you could see that under a a more capable director writer, that this could have been an actual social commentary on black on black crime, the way the government subsidizes their guns to throw it into the black community or drugs or any of that stuff, right. To shake up the, the, the Nixon administration, the Reagan administration, the fucking Bush administration. Like you could take, there was so many different levels of social commentary that this movie could have taken but all it was is just this saturday morning special of shack kidnapping white vas from hospitals it felt like a tv movie 100 this is something you see on upn 9 <laughs> well, it was the 90s so upn was a thing then all right so do you think that both of these films could do better remade Mm, uh yes but here's the thing is if you're going to remake if you're going to remake steel it has to be the john irons from superman and lois there is no other steel to me that man yeah. is john irons that is yeah. john that is john irons to me he yeah, has, put that cape he, on the on the thing or or no no dice put that cape on that <laughs> on that suit bro if you're going to remake spawn i'm just gonna say it now get michael j white well you get don't remember michael, who's already casted in the new spawn they're doing another spawn. I didn't even know that they were yeah. doing one. I one has been talked that. about since 1998. It's been in development hell for that long. But as of last year, they they hired somebody to rewrite Todd McFarlane's script. And the person that's supposed to be playing Al Simmons is Jamie Foxx. You know? Not terrible. Not, yeah. That's actually not bad. Not that terrible. My man won an Oscar, right? Didn't he win an Oscar for Ray? He won an Oscar. He's an Oscar-winning actor. But the fact is, like, after his performance of, um, uh, what's his name? Good old Max. Max and, Dillon. Uh, Max Dillon in No Way Home. I actually kind of believe, I believe it. He, yeah. he has that, that graggly voice. He does. He has that voice where I wanted to. I could just talk like this. Yeah, in a, in a weird way, it felt like Spawn... Like it felt, I didn't feel like Michael J. White thought he was cool in that. Does that make sense? And that's the problem is because Jamie Kent and Jamie Fox, he knows he's cool to right. the point where when he was casted for Django and it's the first day of filming, he was too cool as Django that he got yelled at by Quentin Tarantino. He was, he was, um, did, did Tarantino use the N word? No, no. Okay. He, <laughs> Cause he was explaining to it on um, Howard Stern about the shooting from Django. And he like he was being he was acting too cool in that first introduction to Django and Michael um, Quentin Tarantino pulls him to the side and says, "Listen, you're not fucking cool, okay? Don't be fucking cool. I need you to be a slave right now. Right now, you are the most scared, fragile person in the world. Later, when you have your arc, then you can be cool. When I tell you to be cool, be cool. But right now, you can't be cool. Don't be fucking cool." And I'm like, <laughs> and Jamie Fox, and, but Jamie Foxx understood for some reason. Jamie Foxx yeah, yeah, like yeah. actually, I'm, I understood what he meant by that. Like I, I understood. He's a very particular director, so I got to be cool, but I got to be cool later. Right, right, so right. So I could right. see Jamie. I could see Jamie Fox being a being an Al Simmons. Like that is right. actually pretty believable. I'm not even gonna lie. Yeah, and um, like you can do a steel thing, especially now. Like we've already established that Superman died in the DCEU, right? Like you could totally just have somebody inspired by Cavill Superman doing something in their small town. He doesn't have to be a nationwide hero. You understand? And they could pick him up later and, and throw him in with the rest of them if you want to. But you could literally just focus on a small neighborhood and him trying to clean it up by himself, 
inspired by Superman. I mean, you could truly what you what they should do, and this is just me. They should do a Superman and Lois spinoff of Steel, going back to his world after having met this world Superman, understanding who this world Superman was in his heart and soul, taking everything he learned from the Clark Kent we're being introduced by Tyler Holchin, going back to his universe and adopting that moniker. That is a spinoff I would watch. John Irons going back to his universe and being the new Superman, being Steel. Right. I would, I would. I would pay money to with see Superman, that. With Superman as an antagonist? Is, is that... No, that Superman is still alive, isn't it? No, he he would have been right before he left, remember? Because he... No, but yeah, but, but no, because I, I remember he, he was dragging Superman into space for some kind of um, solar bomb that would that would temporarily block Oh, yes, power. yes, yes. When he left, when, he yeah. got him. Yeah. Oh, he did get him? Yeah. So then that universe of Superman is dead. I think so. So then tell me that wouldn't be an awesome spinoff of uh, after John Henry also meets the Clark Kent we're, we're introduced to and that family and the dynamic, him and Nat go back to their world and he adopts that superhero moniker. I would watch that spinoff like hell. Right. That'd be an awesome spinoff. Don't let these, these not great films detract you from watching black led superhero films Please don't. or reading Please don't. or reading black led uh, superhero content uh, or black, you know, content from black comic creators. There's there's a ton of them out there. They're killing it. We just celebrated Dwayne McDuffie's uh, birthday this past weekend. Rest in peace. You know, who's a founder of Milestone Comics and would go on to create unit the Dakotaverse, basically. You know, where where characters like Icon and Static Shock and a uh, Rocket all can can cohabitate and basically almost you know creating a, a, a positive black influence in the superhero genre which was groundbreaking at the time um the only reason why like i i would have even felt like the, it, it would be punching down to 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 kind of uh lampoon these movies during black history month why no the only reason why i don't believe i don't think that that is is because we now have such great content such great black led content like black panther i believe is amazing you know, all the stuff that they're doing with Wakanda, I feel like is tr tremendous. We were just talking about the Black Lightning show. We were just talking about Michonne as a comic book character, a strong woman and a strong black woman in general. Um, I think that now we are creating the kind of content we deserved back then. But you have to remember where we where we were. <laughs> you have to remember how far we've come. Well, the people, it should, the people should know that Steel was written and directed by a black man. So if you have any problems with the way that this movie was portrayed, black man wrote it. So, but it was also, that. but it was also done. They also did that under, um, on, under Warner brothers, who was notoriously meddling in people's stuff. Oh God. Yeah, that's right. This was a, this was a distribution by Warner's fucking Warner's. I, we all, we all should agree that we just hate Warner brothers. Uh, yeah, I think I can. <laughs> um, yeah. So this, this this was fun, but you are you officially throwing in the towel? Are you saying that it still is? Well, I'm I'm going to put it to you in, in the most simplest way I can. If you had to ask me that I could only pick one movie to watch right now, it would be Spawn. I would 100% okay. watch Spawn over Steel because the performances, as much as the writing is just as shit as Spawn as Steel, the performances helps more. 
the performance helps carry these the, this dialogue that the story you're seeing if you was to ask me which do i think was the was the bigger disrespect to a character it's steel so both both are bad but steel is steel was just disrespectful i and feel like steel, I, you know i want to go with that because i also feel like um steel steel is probably more detrimental because the character didn't have a lot anyway so if you would if you detract people from the character in the film they may never give that character another chance it's it's the robin effect right we got a bad robin and we haven't had a robin since you know we had a bad uh, green lantern yeah. we haven't had a green lantern since like they so it, it i i fault steel more for possibly creating a, a world in which dc did not feel comfortable highlighting a black hero and you know image has I mean, they flopped been... twice in one year they yeah. had two fl two flops one is is a brand new character that didn't even get a chance to to, to see its day in the sun the other was right. a character that existed for for 60 years yep. up on that point yep but dc has a very big big uh, laundry list of flops yeah M mismanaged casting maligned scripts uh, studio interference like DC yeah. has a history of this to the fact that even Superman 2 from from the 80s has a Donner cut long yeah. before Zack Snyder's Snyder cut of Justice League you have the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2 yeah. and if you want to go between let's say Superman Returns and Batman Forever like that was just like a dark 10 years for, for that for that studio you know that was just like you know, forever. I think it has a lot better in it than than Batman and Robin, but that starts to decline. That starts the steel. That starts the Batman and Robin. That starts the uh, the death of Superman or whatever, where they don't do it. The one that the Kevin Smith film that they don't greenlight, and instead try to do a Justice League film uh, that was supposed to be uh, George Miller's Justice League, and then they can that because they were getting confusing fucking things going on, and then they do Superman Returns, and everyone's like, this is just the Donner stuff, but not as good because it's old hat. You know, um, and so you had this 10 year period where the biggest one of the biggest comic book uh, companies and one of the biggest studios of all time could not get a handle on any of their characters. Even Dark, uh, even the Batman Begins was was seen with mixed reviews. 100 percent. As much as as much as now we can acknowledge that it is the foundation of gritty comic books. That movie wasn't what wasn't critically beloved. That shit wasn't making endgame money in 2005. Well, that's the thing, and that's what I think is most important is that when it comes to any of this stuff, as you know, when you're creating anything, you know, and you want an audience, because some people just create things they don't give a damn who pays attention, who likes or anything, right? But if you want an audience and you want people to care about your stuff, you have to build faith and good faith with your audience, so that even when things seem bleak, uninteresting, or like things are not going to pan out, if you can have them have good faith like the marvel stuff right we see stuff all the time and it's like eh, i don't know but then it always comes out to but it's marvel bro they're gonna it's, it'll be fine they'll figure it out where the dc stuff now any inkling of anything going wrong we immediately panic because we know that they are known for going off the fucking handle and ruining things ant-man has made more money than than a lot of dc's movies i think it's safe to say that we don't trust dc or we don't trust warners to manage dc's uh, media Right. Maybe 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 DC Comics are getting better. Maybe you could find a bunch of writers, bunch of artists, bunch of stories in today's DC Comics that are like you know topping charts. 
But as far as their like their media goes, nobody is trusting Warner's media. And that's not just even with DC. That's just Warner's in general. No one is trusting Warner's media. I just pulled up this, and I think that this is the most telling of it all. Um, Justice League, the 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 Josh Whedon thing, and I don't even think it's a, a the Josh Whedon thing of it to make the point that I'm trying to make. Uh, Justice League made six hundred and fifty-seven point nine million in the box office, right? Justice League. This is the movie with Superman, Batman, Aquaman, The Flash, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, like. Every like everyone's dream, everyone who's ever watched the Justice League cartoon, who's played Injustice the game, like these these characters have never not been in the forefront of media in some way. Right? The familiarity yeah. with the members of the Justice League, one could argue they're the they're probably the most known team of all time. No, no. I, I would say ne- it, it next to X-Men or like, you know, the the cliche X-Men list yeah. and Fantastic Four. Justice League has has like the seven most recognized characters. Right. So like you remember, asked somebody twenty years ago about Avengers. Who? No, no. Who's, in, who's in that? What's it? What's Avengers? You actually? They're like, oh, they're ago, like, oh, you talking about that movie? They're talking about that movie with um, Uma Thurman and Ray. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So six uh f- uh six fifty seven point nine million, right? Six hundred fifty million. I think you could say to be fair. You know what comes in at seven hundred seventy-two point eight million? About I'm a, ready. About a hundred and fifty million more, kind of roughly, or something around there. I'm ready. Guardians of the Galaxy. God damn it! The first Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh my god! Guardians the of the first... Galaxy two is eight six three point eight million. Guardians of the Galaxy made more money than Justice League. Yes, the one about the tree. And the raccoon. And the raccoon. That people, that no one knew. That no one knew, no one cared about. And I'm sorry for those diehard comic Guardians fans. No, of fans. course, of course, yeah. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Like, no one... I, if I, we're going to go by masses, if we're going to go by general knowledge and, and you know, population, you, you throw a rock out the window in 2013, you're not going to find anybody that knows who Peter Quill is. Yeah. So you, it's not, it's not on name alone. It can't be on name alone. So hopefully, when they return back to these two properties, they learn to build the good faith in in their fan base. Treat us like adults, you know. Stop with the pop culture references. Stop uh, focusing on the wrong elements of these characters. Get and back can you to just the heart. Stop for once. Just, I'm begging you, filmmakers, please stop with the jokes every five seconds. I'm get, yeah. I'm getting t- like I love, I love a witty banter i love love a charismatic character as much as the next person but god damn it every five minutes the world could literally be imploding upon itself you could see the ground is 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 cracking and you're about to fall into the depths of hell and it's like oh well i guess i gotta i guess i'm gonna hang around like god damn it i'm tired of every single like big monumental death defying situation has to be watered down with jokes. I get it. We're us humans are self-deprecating. We we use humor to cope with the real trauma in our life, but I don't need it in every single superhero movie. It was cool. But like you said, it, like you said, it's like it's like cowardice. Like you don't have the right. You don't have the. You're almost scared to just be serious and take it as is. So you have yes. to muck it up with all these jokes. 
so that you know you're poking fun at the genre where the genre can be some of the most emotionally motivating stuff when done right the hero genre the superhero genre can really motivate people to be better people but if you if you're if you're already coming at it cynically like it's a joke like it's cheap like it's not going to work it's all going to suck and it's always going to suck and that's just that's just what it comes down to here and we at the comic book click appreciate your crappy movies because without you we wouldn't have which was worse no we won't and now we're getting away from some of the bad and we're going to dip into some of the good real freaking soon man next week on the podcast we'll be covering the long halloween and after that dan gets to watch his pattern of these two bad films and we get to decide if possibly the longest batman film of all time is the best one uh well, i so- have full confidence in the world that this is going to be literally the best live action batman movie i am I- i'm a little worried about the length that's what she said. But I'm a little bit worried about the length. Um, because I'm kind of not because if you look, there's a there's been a lot of good good comic book movies that were pretty damn long. And I'm not saying I, I like Infinity War. But here's the thing: I like Rises. Rises is too long. Rises is like two two hours and forty five <laughs> minutes. It feels like it feels like two separate films. They yeah, like watch like back that to back. Second film once he gets his back broken. It's like you can right. end the movie there and do a part two of him in. Him in the in the fucking wherever he is, Nanda Park. Yeah, back. coming back, ta- then the review for Talia Al Ghul, all that other stuff. You know, like I yeah. Um, and for it to be the the first film, I feel like two fifty is a lot. I I, I want to like it. I, you know, I want to love is it. Gonna, is this like supposed to be a first film in a brand new reboot franchise? I believe so because I also have money on something that I almost have confirmation of. And that it, uh, I put money on the idea that Warner Brothers would have absolutely no restraint. And if they are making a Batman film, you oh, will no. get no, God, a reference no. to yes. the clown yes. prince of crime himself, the Joker. God damn it. I wish we can just evolve past the Joker as a society. And the rumor is that's exactly what happens. We will be getting a tease. In the future, oh, you know, I'm gonna new cinematic joke to your pool. I'm gonna add some money to your pool. It's gonna be Walking Phoenix. I actually know who it is. Do you want to know who it is? Who is it? Druig. God damn it, that's actually perfect. Anybody that has seen a killing of a sacred deer would know that that's actually perfect. Uh, Barry Coogan, is it? Yep, and he could be, he would be like a nice, like, um. What's his name? Like like a, a Murphy, like like yeah. Sean Murphy's Joker. He would be a oh, great okay. Sean Murphy Joker. And yeah, so get ready for that. So next two weeks is Batman, baby. So we're we're getting on Batman, and not only Batman, but some of the good Batman stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, I know you're a big fan of Long Halloween, Dan. I know a lot. There's a lot oh, of people out there. To me, it's Batman's greatest story. And no one it's, will ever change my mind. I will agree that you had think it, something else is Batman's greatest story, but to me. The Long Halloween is the greatest piece of literature ever written for Batman. It probably goes up there with The Dark Knight Returns. Is that what it's called? Yes, it'd be The Dark Knight Returns. Knight Returns. It's up there with Dark Knight Returns, I think, as being one of the most influential pieces of, of comic book media. I think many films go back to both The Long Halloween and Dark Knight Returns to I mean, cover Dan, some of the ground. Nolan basically made his trilogy centered around it. Yes, yes. So we'll be talking. Uh, I'll be talking with a Yogi next week about that in preparation for the Batman, and then me and Dan will separately be watching this three-hour film, and then coming back together to discuss 
how we felt about it. You've seen this, you've heard this episode of the podcast. So you see that we have differing, you know, likes and dislikes. That's why the Witch Was Worse is such a fun um, exercise to do on this podcast. But the idea that now, you know, again, another bite at the apple, another Batman film. We're back at it again. Let's hope that it's something worth a damn. But come with us and join us for nostalgia next week as we tackle, like you just said, a quintessential uh, Batman comic. But I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode uh, of the Major Issues podcast and also uh, episode which was worse because it's something that I don't know if anyone else is doing. So I I like that we do it. It, I am am fully confident when I say that we are the only two people that not only do which was worse by name, but, but by premise. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, think anybody is is pitting two terrible movies against each other to try and find out which one was the worst by hyping up the other ones. Right. And like I said, uh, one of the most rewarding parts about this uh, experiment, if you will, is that we actually factually do end up getting a, a modicum of respect for both films. Oh, 100%. For what I, they were trying to do as opposed to what a, they actually Anybody did. that listened to the Superman 4 versus um, Batman and Robin would know that I... I watched Superman 4 for that for the first time in my entire, not just in my adult life. I mean, in my entire life was the first time I watched Superman 4. And about 75% of that movie was some of the best Superman stuff I've ever seen. Like, it was genuinely an entertainingly good movie. Random question uh, before we get ready to sign off. Uh, What made you watch Donner's, I mean, uh, Superman 1? Uh, Because there was, someone was watching a reaction to it. And I'm like, "You, you know what? I haven't seen this movie since I was like a kid. Let me okay. let me let me watch this first, and then I'll watch the reaction later. And you know, I'll skim through the reaction and see what's what's going on. But I've also I'm not gonna lie, I, because of Superman and Lois, I have been in a bit of a bit of a Superman crave. I've, I've been I've been digging I've been digging the Man of Steel a little bit more and more now these days, okay. and more so the Man of Steel that everyone truly loves, and not the Man of Steel that I personally fell in love <laughs> with, which is Snyder's. What what do you think there are um, uh, good things about that? I mean, it's been a couple of years now. What do you think about what uh, Snyder's? No, about um, the first oh. Superman film. Oh, the very first Superman movie. Okay, well, there was a lot of the the problems that I had with Superman. Like he jumps out the window as Clark Kent, and literally in like zero point two seconds, he's just he's in his suit. Like you yeah. see him falling in a in, in a in a two piece, and then he's in his outfit. The right. there's there, there's the whole spinning around the world and and turning time. <laughs> back like you know, uh, I mean, I mean, to be fair, Flash does something similar in in <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. True, that is true. That is that is actually very much true. And Margot Kidder, she was throwing, she was slinging it towards Superman. She shows up to what's supposed to be a, an official news interview with the man of steel and she's literally in this nighty talking about how big is it and can you tell what color underwears i'm wearing Bro, oh yes, yes 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 like, the, the, little, the little interview and you see how they did that also in superman and lois how they do the inter you know the superman officially coming to get interviewed by yes. by you know like so almost surrendering and, and choosing like, to allow himself to be interviewed superman and lois the beautiful part about superman and lois is during that interview she was basically saying, oh, no, I, I'm in love with Clark. I don't know. I don't care about this, this Superman guy. I'm just doing this for a paycheck. I actually love Clark. Here, you could see her falling in love with Superman while she's supposed to be conducting an interview. Yeah. God, I'm yeah. about to turn. I'm about to go rewatch some Superman and love. <laughs> no, that's one of the best shows ever. 
Well, let's get off of this then. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can find all the things comic book click at comicbookclick.com. That's our official website where we have every little bit of the things that we do here. Articles written by us, merchandise at TeePublic. You can hit that shop CBC link and it can take you to our TeePublic store where all the designs are made by me and we get a fraction of everything that you buy. If you want to continue to support us monetarily besides that, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse for only as little as $3 a month, 10 cents a day. Uh, you can get access to our Superman and Lois full reactions where I watch the entire episode of Superman and Lois and we're going through season two, episode by episode. We have our first two um, of the season, unrestricted, unedited. If I pick my nose, I pick my nose. It is what it is. But you can watch the whole episode with me and get my reaction, my first run reaction as well. Um, which is rare because usually when I watch things, I don't like to set up cameras. So get in on that. Like the $3 a month, people. $3 a month is nothing, bro. Nothing. 10 cents a day. 10 cents a day. And you could get that you in your couch. You could literally find a quarter on the street. That's it. And look, you find enough of what's that? Uh, you find 12 quarters in a month. Boom. Send that, send that over. Send that over to comicbookclick.com. Um, and go to patreon.com slash CBC clubhouse. Um, we want to talk to you guys more. So make sure that you're following us all over social media because we're constantly posting things that not only have to do with comic book click and the major issues podcast, but comic book movie news, uh, comic book TV news, comic stuff in general, like updates to storylines or when new series are going to come out. So get on that because it's been extremely fun interacting with some of you guys. Uh, so you can follow us at. Uh, Facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or you can use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Uh, the Major Issues Podcast is available wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, TuneFind, YouTube, Spotify, and now Facebook. I believe we're on Pandora as well. I believe we're on iHeart as well. We're literally everywhere. And if you don't believe us, type in Major Issues Podcast into Google, and we'll be the first ones to pop right up. We're like the first three pages. Like we, 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 have, taken, we have fully taken control of the Google algorithm. <laughs> that's what happens when you push out one of these every every week for four years <laughs> basically consecutive people we I, are consecutive i'm i'm typing it in right now to google and yeah there it is major issues podcast kind of but click this is uh apple podcast Podbean, audible bro how did we get on audible i didn't sign up for audible we're on audible spotify a podcast for comic book readers tackling some of the best stories ever written also reviewing the latest and greatest things to come to Com combo and combo media baby um podcast oh attic player fm verbal oh no that's not us pod tail we're, we're we're everywhere we're literally everywhere i'm so proud of everything that we do we do it all free of charge we do ask for donations if you guys have it like i said and what, what are we asking for your couch cushion change that's it uh uh if you, if you like us and you like what we do, tell a friend to tell a friend. Rate and review us on iTunes. That's something you could do for free. It helps us grow as podcasters and find out what we like, what you guys like and what you don't. Um, I got to go back to reading some of those reviews that we used to get because they were nice. <laughs> they, the people were really digging us. I believe we have a current standing of 4.9 stars out of 14 ratings on Apple Podcasts. I so, can tell you that right now. We are at updating library. Let us yeah. see. We have, yep, four four point nine out of five stars. We have nothing but five stars and one three star. Who gave me a three star? Probably someone. Uh, someone that that liked the uh, Batman and Robin. 
That's what it was. That's what it was. No, it must have been somebody who was really, really hoping for a positive Dark Phoenix review, and then they heard <laughs> then they heard me get on drunk and upset, and I just like yeah. Oh, that was one of our great. No, that was one of our greatest. That was one of I our was greatest. Over it. The only other podcast I was as over it for was when we covered Titans that one time. Titan season three. I was like, this is they massacred my boy. It, we're, I'm I'm getting, I'm getting long in the tooth here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, keep liking, sharing, subscribing. Tell a friend, tell a friend. Keep bringing and reviewing us. You can give us uh, lower stars. It doesn't make any sense to because it's not true. But uh, we want to know what you like. We want to know what you want. We want to know how to make this place better. So um, let us know as soon as you can. Um, but that is all for me, I believe. I'm thinking through. I think I've hit it all. Make sure you guys tune in and catch up on Long Halloween. We'll be talking about it uh, next week. And then the Batman. So get ready for that, those conversations. And we might be thinking about something interactive for our Batman review this year. So consider that, ladies and gentlemen. And consider that a, uh, a foreshadowing, you know, or lazy writing, depending on how you want to think about it. <laughs> but my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am everyone's favorite Dan, the comic book man. And this has been our Which Was Worse series, this time tackling Spawn versus Steel. And remember, whether or not you're a handicapped person being dragged out of a home against your will, a piece of shit dipped in breadcrumbs, please don't eat that, uh, a shitting clown who gets dressed up like your wife and humps the air, or you're just like us and you want good comic book content, remember that we are the click. And always remember that you, yes you, are worthy.